This is episode number 94 with Amanda Beatty. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Gold Star Wife, author and speaker, Barb Allen. And, you know, Barb and I absolutely love the work that we do here at America Sippets. And since you're listening to this program, that tells us that you believe in the work we are doing as well. People like us don't lump patriotism with politics. We understand that we live in the greatest country on earth and that because of our freedoms, the opportunities here are endless. But we also recognize that those freedoms did not come without a cost. Men and women have paid the ultimate sacrifice for those freedoms. And that's why it's our duty for each of us to live an exceptional and fulfilled life, to live lives that matter, to live lives that can impact the world. We are that shining beacon on the hill. But many Americans out there have been distracted by divisiveness and the media. They don't live exceptional lives. They live average ones, ones that just maintain the status quo. But together, we can change that. By reigniting patriotism as the common bond, Americans will rediscover greatness within themselves and within each other. So join us and help us spread our message of positivity, possibility, and patriotism. Share our program with a friend. Share it on Facebook and Instagram. Leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Small, simple actions like that each and every week will make a huge difference in growing this mission and spreading our message. And a big part of all that are our guests and their inspiring stories. And that leads us to this week's featured interview and special guest. You know, it's easy to have a dream, but it takes true grit to turn that dream into a reality. Most people who take the leap give up on their dream as soon as things get hard or challenges come up or difficulties arise. But when you're fully committed to your dream and believe it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, that's when you'll endure and overcome all the struggles and you'll make that dream come true. Amanda and Christopher Beatty are excellent examples of this. Christopher is a Marine Corps veteran who knew he was meant to continue his work with canines. He and Amanda went all in on the dream to establish a nonprofit offering trained canine companions to our nation's veterans. At times, things were challenging and tough. The Beattys even spent time, uh, temporary time on public assistance, but they endured and they grew their family and they grew their dream. Today, Semper Canine assists dozens of veterans by rescuing dogs and training them to be service dogs. L listen in as Amanda Beatty shares their story of turning their dream into a reality and the insight she offers others seeking to do the same. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Amanda Beatty. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. A little while ago, we caught another episode of Mike Rowe, which when you listen to us and you know us, we know that we love Mike Rowe's show and what he does. It, uh, 
it is very similar to what to what we're doing at this point. And we always find amazing people on there. Sometimes we're lucky enough to connect with them and uh, sometimes not. And this time we are super lucky to connect with Chris and Amanda Beatty, who do everything that I personally love and connect with. You know, I'm a military family, uh, a surviving spouse of a soldier. I have children. I worked at the Humane Society and Rescue Dogs. And if you've been following us, you know, we unsuccessfully fostered puppies and wound up keeping one. Um, and so now we have all that too. So Chris and Amanda Beatty wrap all of this up in a package with this huge positive spirit and their patriotism shines through. They continue giving back. There's really nothing about their story that we don't love. And we're confident that you are going to love their story as well. We are super excited to have I'm not going to say better half, but one half of the baby couple, (laughs) the baby couple here today. Amanda, thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So like I said, there's a ton about your story that I personally connect to and I love, love, love. Let's start uh, quickly. We'll kind of take it sequentially after we give everybody a quick rundown of Semper Canine and what you all do there. All right. So Semper Canine is a 501c3 nonprofit and we are combat veteran founded and operated. My husband's a combat veteran and we rescue dogs from shelters through our rescue partner and train them to be custom service dogs for uh, wounded service members and their families. That is so Cool. And I love the fact that you use the shelter dogs. I think that is a super special twist um, that just makes it a little more meaningful, a little more powerful, you know, in in my mind, you know, for emotionally Absolutely. and practically. Yeah. Saving two lives or multiple lives with, yeah. with one rescue dog, starting with that one dog. Yep. It's all that huge ripple effect that goes down. There's room for somebody else to come in and be Absolutely. rescued. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. So this is a husband-wife enterprise. I know. Yes. <laughs> um, so I work with my fiance, Dave, you know, we do American snippets here. I know how amazing and how challenging that can be at the same time. Right? Yes. So very much so everything has ups <laughs> and downs. And I like, sometimes I hear myself like saying things and doing things. I'm like, man, this guy really doesn't deserve that. But that's, that's the version of me he gets today. But it is so, and I feel <laughs> bad about it. Right. But so you want to talk, I mean, you guys have known each other for a long time. A long time. Yeah. So you met way back in high school. Yeah. Yeah. We met in high school. Chris and I met in uh, high school and outside of Atlanta, the Atlanta area, Metro Atlanta. And that was in 1996. And we were in ninth grade. Uh, We were freshmen (laughs) in high school. We were both in the Marine Corps Junior ROTC program together. And for those not familiar with JROTC, you know, there's many high schools that don't have that program, it's very tight knit. Like if you were on a sports team or in band or in a drama club or something like that, all of the cadets, and I say all loosely, majority of the cadets are pretty tight knit. You either love each other, you hate each other. It's like a dysfunctional family type of atmosphere. Yeah. And, uh, we, we were in JROTC together all through high school. And, um, initially, uh, I was not a huge fan of Chris, <laughs> of my husband. I would, I would, I would dodge him sometimes or, or, um, we had a lot of advanced placement classes together and we sat alphabetically. So we were in a lot of other classes together as well. And, um, people who know my husband will appreciate the fact that he loves talking and being correct. Um, 
And he is very intelligent. So he does have a lot of knowledge in different areas. But sometimes that can get annoying, especially when you're in no. high school. Um, so <laughs> so uh, yeah. both of us, you know, we, we still argue about who had the highest grade in our uh, world history class with Mr. Siegel. But, you know, um, we still that's, <laughs> let's see, 20 three years now. So we've known each other over half of our lives. It really feels like we've been married that long, but we've only been married for five years. Wow. Wow. So in five years, you guys have gotten married. You have this beautiful family. You are doing all this work with Semper Cana. How did that start? So you got married. I don't know the timeline. I don't know the timeline of if he, your husband was still in service when you got married or if he had, he was not, he was not. So when we, when we were in JRTC, we actually made a trip. We would take summer trips. A lot of JRTCs do that as well. And we came up here to Quantico, uh, in Virginia, which is where we are now. We're right outside of Quantico. And our trip was, we got to tour Marine Corps base Quantico. We went up to DC, but one of the things we did when we were touring Quantico was looked at the dog kennels and Chris had always wanted to join the Marine Corps, or work with animals. He's always loved animals. I remember that about him from when we were kids. And he was one of the few that was 18 years old because both of our birthdays, his is October 2nd, mine's October 22nd. We have really weird birthday stories. That's another, it's another topic, but, um, he was 18. So he was able to catch a dog. That's where you put the bite suit arm on and you have, you act as a decoy and have the military working dog come and grab your arm. And uh, he was hooked. He immediately said, I'm joining the Marine Corps and I'm becoming a dog handler. And uh, at that time in in 2000, when he enlisted as a Marine, you could not just, your MOS could not be um, canine. You had to be an MP first. Then you had to be a military police canine handler. And then you could be a a canine handler. And at that time too, we were not uh, at war. So he joined the Marine Corps not expecting to be in a war environment. That was just something he never, that never crossed his mind. Being in JRTC, you, you learn about the, the history of the Marine Corps and military history. So you know that war is a possibility, but his initial reasons for joining the Marine Corps were not, that didn't even cross his mind. So he joined the Marine Corps in 2000, um, fulfilled his dream of becoming a canine handler. He was top of his class. He was top dog at Lackland. Air Force Base um, when he graduated K-9 school and went on to become a specialized search dog handler and trainer. And he went to Israel um, to do that with five other Marines or four Marines. He was one of five. So he went to do the train the trainer course. He did that with the OCATS dog school. And many people know that OCATS and uh, is the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, that they're they're pretty elite. They're, it's pretty big deal to get to learn their secrets or whatever. And uh, he so he did that and was deployed um, five times with a working dog. Um, one is a contractor once he right. got out of the Marine Corps in 2009. So he went back to Afghanistan after three uh, back-to-back deployments to Iraq. And then the one that was in Israel, um, they were actually, the Hezbollah war had broken out. So they were actually there training during that whole um, situation that was going on in Israel. And after leaving the Marine Corps and after his last deployment to Afghanistan as a contractor, he struggled immensely with 
as many service members do, yep. finding his place. How do I adjust to this new life at home? How do I, you know, how do I just function without the Marine Corps, without that yeah. structure of the military life? And he, he transitioned from one contracting job to another. He worked for the IRS with a, um, with a, with a dog. He worked as the bed bug detector dog, uh, dog <laughs> handler. So he did that. For, so how for do you, how too. do you work for the IRS with a dog? What well, does the IRS use um, dogs for? So if you've ever been to DC, you know, yeah. pretty much any government entity is going to have security. Okay. So they have security, but they also have dogs that are trying to detect odors in the mailroom. Okay. So, uh, you All know, right. people make threats against the IRS sometimes. I don't <laughs> no. know if they're legitimate or not. <laughs> Why would anybody get annoyed at the IRS? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. um, he just always, so that's kind of where the Simper Canine name came from, was yeah. always canine. It, it has a little bit of a nod to the Marine Corps and Simper right. but he's always been in the canine field since his professional career started with the Marine Corps in the year 2000. And he worked to get that goal of becoming a canine handler. He's Every job that he's had, except when he was selling lawnmowers at Sears, <laughs> was was working at, uh, as in the canine industry. So that's kind of where Semper Canine came from. We, um, I work in the magazine and media world, and I was writing an article for one of the magazines that I help manage, okay. and I was interviewing someone with the Injured Marine Semper Fi Fund, right. and it was the founder, Karen Gunther. And I was interviewing her. Um, she had just gotten in from the Paralympics in Russia. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're big into um, helping wounded warriors um, recover through sport. And so they're they're big into the Paralympics and the, um, the warrior games. And she picked up on my accent and, you know, kind of asks, well, how did you end up in Northern Virginia? And I kind of told her my story. And when she found out my husband was not only a Marine, but he was also a canine handler. And this is a person that could not meet me in person to do the interview, by the way. She immediately yeah. said, meet me, meet me at Panera in Dumfries, which is right outside of Quantico. Awesome. Meet me tonight. Bring your husband and bring his credentials. Bring his yeah. resume. So Chris has his I Love Me binder is what he calls it, with all of his certificates and certifications and his resume. And we met her and she hired him that night to start a pilot program slash internship with the Semper Fi Fund using okay. rescue dogs and training them to be service dogs for disabled veterans. So he cool. was blessed to do that for nine months with them. And when the, pro when the internship ended, she encouraged us to start our own program. And I was nine months pregnant at the time. That's a perfect time to start something exactly. new. <laughs> exactly. I was nine months pregnant and found out my husband's salary was going to disappear and yeah. that we were going to start our own thing, which was great because I, great and bad, yeah. but great because I saw how, how doing this work transformed him and gave him that purpose, that sense yeah. of purpose that he, you know, he didn't know why he made it back. Why did I? make it back and my best friend didn't and some other people that I, you know, they didn't make it back. What is my purpose here and why did I come back? So it was in that moment he told me this was my, this is my purpose. This is why yeah. I made it home. Um, 
so of course being a supportive spouse, which is super important uh, yes. when you're, when your spouse has a dream and a goal, you want to be supportive and having that support and me with my unique, interesting background, it was, it was just a perfect fit. The bad part is, is that we drained all of our savings to try to get this thing started from the ground up. So yeah. for quite a while, we struggled. We were on public assistance in the beginning. And I mean, wow. it was just, it was, it was hard, but we knew that we were doing great things and that it was going to pay off, not as far as the financial side of it, but pay off in that all of these sacrifices we were making for our family. Yeah. Um, by, I, I, I told someone we didn't go out to eat dinner anywhere for over a year, like not yeah. even Taco Bell. Right. And people were like, what No way? And I'm like, we didn't have any money. I've been there. Like, I have been there. And it is like, you know, I don't have the $6 to go to Taco Bell. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. just those little sacrifices, no vacations yep. because we can afford to go anywhere. Sometimes we didn't even have gas money to go I've anywhere. Been there. And we yep. So it is not all of an the, easy place to be. So you guys, not. but you did that, like you were on board with doing, it. I love this. And I want to, I, I want to, I'm going to take time in between as we're talking to kind of emphasize points that that you make, that you say, because that is a really important focal point here in terms of people who are listening or who like wonder how to go about starting this thing that they're so passionate about and then hit that bumpy road and say, oh, I, I can't do that. You know, mm -hmm. what if, what if I lose all my money? What if I can't afford this or that? And especially, oh, especially people with children who, oh yeah, I, you know, very rightly, you know, can get caught up thinking they deserve that. It's, it's irresponsible of me to go chase my dream when I have these children to take care of. But I think you two are a very powerful lesson in that when you do that together and you do that with the right mindset, it is not, look, it's not framed as irresponsible. It's framed as courageous and brave and you're doing what you believe in and the good example you're setting for your children. And, you know, you, you manage to do it and your children never go without and, they yeah, grow they and they learn and they just without, know. And they know. have dogs to play with. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you're, yeah. you're balancing that we used to go get to do these things. And yeah. now, you know, our, our oldest is 14. So, um, when we started Simper Canine, I was, I was, I was pregnant and right. then we had a baby. Well, Babies, people think babies cost a lot of money, but I'm very frugal. So, you know, I was able to plan all of these things out. And when we got into a true financial crisis, I was trying my hardest at the time. Our oldest was 11. I was trying my hardest, 11, 12 years old. I don't want that to shape his future as, oh, we're struggling. Right. But he knew he's right. very, he's very intuitive and he understands. And, he, but he also knew he saw the dogs we were bringing in and yeah. he s would say things like, if we didn't help save this dog, it, it would have been euthanized. Aww. And now it's here running around in the yard playing and having a good time. And yeah. we're teaching it to go on to help someone. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, it was a struggle and you do feel like, is it worth it? It's absolutely worth it. And when I say that it, it would pay off, what I really meant was that these sacrifices we were making would come to fruition yeah. when we're, when we're actually being successful and success right. for us was if we rescue one dog and if we can help one veteran, then we're successful. Right. 
Yes. And that happened, that happened for us pretty fast before we even placed the dog, we were already helping veterans. So it was, um, and obviously rescuing the dogs and bringing them in was helping them as well. So we, we felt that we were successful early on and it was just getting to that point where we could sustain, but also support our family. So right now, my husband is the only one who, uh, has a salaried position with the nonprofit and we've been doing this for five years. So see, you guys are in it for the long haul. So how did you go about, let me, let me walk through this here. So you have this you know, concept and you know, you can do it. Your husband knows how to train the dogs. I'm guessing you have some canine expertise at this point as well. Right. Um, so now you say, okay, we're going to start this on our own. How did you go about finding the rescue to partner with and approach them? And how did you go about like What were the first things you did to become that 501 C3? Okay. So my, <clears throat> To get us started, when when Chris was doing the internship with the Semper Fi Fund, we had reached out to numerous rescues in our area. We had already started trying to form partnerships with local animal shelters and get on their radar. So we uh, met one called Operation Pause for Homes. They're in Northern Virginia, and they're a satellite rescue. And they were all on board for what we were wanting. We work with their volunteers, their fosters, and tell them this is the kind of dog we're looking for. It needs to have this. It needs to have that. And what you know, are we're some looking, of those traits that you look yeah, for in the so dog? Yeah, so we're looking for a dog that's going to be 50 pounds or more. Okay. Um, when we're rescuing a dog in, we're not quite sure what the what veteran that dog may be going to yet. Right. So a lot of times people think PTSD is just for psychiatric um, alert, and we can get into that in a moment as well. But a lot of times a dog will need to do mobility tasks as well, such as brace if the veteran is dizzy, has a TBI, or if the veteran has an amputation and the dog needs to bring that artificial limb, the dog needs to be large enough to be able to bring it right. or to bring a bottle of water or to to bring a medical pouch that has medication um, and that sort of thing inside of the pouch. So we're looking for a larger dog. We're looking for preferably a lab mix or something low maintenance for grooming. Uh, lab mixes tend to work pretty well because they are, um, they have longer life expectancy. They have less medical issues and, and that sort of thing. So we're, those are the types of things we're looking for as far as the type of dog, but for temperament, we're kind of looking for a dog who looks like they need a job. Yeah. They have a drive to work. They're not overly driven and they're very food and treat motivated. Right. So those are the, and they want that praise and they love, we, Chris calls it a Velcro dog, a dog that just sticks to you, that want to be, to be there with you. So that's the kind of dogs that we're looking for. And we work really closely with them and they bring in a lot of pregnant females from high kill shelters. So we have an opportunity to evaluate an entire rescue litter of puppies. So that works out well with, for us. Yeah, that's awesome that they jumped in and, you know, and decided to to work with you like that. Yeah, they decided to work with us from the beginning and we were just getting started and our, our first two dogs came from them. Um, our third dog was donated from a, a military family and we, we do accept donated dogs on a, I mean, it's case by case right. um, basis, but they still go through the same temperament that the, you know, temperament testing that the rescue dogs would go through. And, you know, that's, the donated dogs that we accept, that's 
that's that military family's way of being able to give back to our program. Yeah. So we want to include them if if the dog's suitable for our needs. So right. we, we do that, but the majority of our dogs comes from the rescue. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here again, real quick, and we'll get right back to this week's episode. But uh, Barbara and I wanted to share something that we're doing here at American Sippets with a friend of ours, Chris Fontaine, who is a former combat veteran. Uh, we put together something called Veterans Investing University. And so if you are a veteran or a veteran dependent, this is an exclusive free offer for you to get some real estate training. So if you've ever been interested in real estate, uh, you will learn how to uh, flip houses like you see on TV. Uh, this is an introdu introductory course that we've put together for you. It's called REI 101. And all you need to do to get access to it is go over to americansnippets.com forward slash V. I U. So go to americasippets.com forward slash V I U and get your free real estate investing 101 training course. Again, this is exclusively for veterans and veteran dependents. So check it out. Let us know what you think. And we hope to see you on the inside. Now back to this week's episode. So are the dogs, do they stay at your house now? The dogs? <laughs> yes, they yeah. do. Yeah. Um, when the dogs first come in, they stay with us. Uh, when we're in the process of building a facility, but even with that facility, the dogs, the puppies, when the dog or the dog, if they're an older dog, will yeah. stay with us when they first come in. Being in the home environment is where these dogs are going to be placed. Right. So that training needs to happen in a home environment. There are programs that have kennels and the dogs stay in kennels just like they would at a shelter. But for us, that doesn't really work with us because we're training these dogs to go into a home. Yeah. And we want them to be acclimated to home life. A lot of times, if they're an older dog and they came from the shelter, They've never been inside of a house or, or maybe they were and it wasn't a great environment for them. So we want them as comfortable as possible. We have lots of children. So our youngest yeah. is one. So wow. they get exposed to different age children, um, different sounds and noises. And we need to make sure that that is going to be comfortable for the dog and they're going to be able to manage because a lot of the veterans that do come to us, they are mine and Chris's generation a veteran and they have small children Yeah, that, that may just be because that's what we put out there and we're very family friendly organization, but a lot of the veterans coming to us do have small children. So it's just important to have that atmosphere as the first yeah, place absolutely. they're introduced to. Yeah. The worst thing would be is if you place the dog and it got into a home and completely came Couldn't undone. Yeah. You need to right. have, um, the worst, you know, to, let the dog and the veteran bond and then have to take Absolutely. the dog back would be Well, and the biggest terrible. part of their training regimen is exposure to environments. Yeah. Trying to get them out there into as many, once they pass public access, trying to get them out there into as many environments as possible. The Metro, we go to DC, we go to the library, the fire department. I mean, we try to go to as many environments as possible to see which areas that dog needs work in. Yeah. Like the dog is perfect at their service dog tasks and they're perfect at, at doing these things. But if they're having an issue at the grocery store with a shopping cart, 
that's an then issue. we've got to get in. Yeah. That's an issue. We've so got to get in there. And practice. How, how do you get these dogs access to places? Do they have the service dog vests? Do you have to go through that program? Like how, you know, yeah, because so not every dog, dog can go everywhere. Training, you're right. You're right. Service dogs are protected by the ADA, the right. Americans with Disability Act. And um, a service dog is, is a dog that is specifically trained to perform tasks or work for a disabled handler. Right. Um, in many states, service dogs in training have the same access as a service dog. Because how are you going to train them right. in public if they're not allowed in public? But there are some requirements to it. You can't just go buy a vest and put a vest on your dog and say, this is a service dog. That's uh, a, it's, a, it's illegal in many states. There are right. many states out there that have laws against that. And by doing that, you're also potentially hurting a person that has, is disabled by just putting a vest on your dog right. and taking your dog out. But our, our service dogs in training have the same access rights as a service dog. We have a we have about 150 volunteers at Semper Canine. Okay. And um, of those volunteers, we have about 25 that are what we call canine coaches. They're kind of like the puppy raisers, puppy parents that you see at other programs. But we call ours canine coaches because they come to training class twice a week to learn what to work on with their dog. Awesome. And our, so the canine, after the dog comes to our home, um, up until they're about 17 weeks old, and if they're an older dog, they'll stay here for about a week so that we can make sure there's no medical issues, there's no major concerns. We hand them off to one of our volunteers, okay. which is... Um, our canine coach families, and they take those um, dogs into their home and take care of them 24-7. They take them everywhere they go, the hairdresser, the dentist, doctor's Perfect. appointments, school school functions for their children. I mean, they have public access anywhere the handler is allowed to be that's public, then the dog can come as well. So that's how we expose our dogs to as many environments as possible. Awesome. When did you get... Um like who, what's the first match story of a veteran? And the a first dog? match. Yeah. So our first match was, um, let's see. It would have been, um, diesel. Diesel was a police dog dropout. <laughs> <laughs> that awesome. was, he was, yeah, he was donated <laughs> to us. He's a Czech shepherd. And, um, the veteran and he has small children as well. His wife is also a veteran. They're both Marine Corps veterans. Um, his wife is also one of our um, team members now. So she, she helps us uh, on the backside of things. And um, he worked with several of the dogs that we have in the program. And I remember the first time that he worked with diesel and I saw how the family interacted with diesel. And here you've got this big 90 pound Check Shepherd, he's all black mm -hmm. and he looks intimidating. He's the most gentle dog, you know, yeah. that's out there. And just uh, that's why he dropped Chris, out of the police. <laughs> exactly, he was too nice to be yeah. a police dog. He was too nice to be a police dog. <laughs> so what I I was watching Chris from a distance, interacting with the veteran and the dog, and I could just see the veteran just petting him yeah. while they were talking, and it was just. Um, Chris came back once we were, you know, he said, this is going to be his dog. And Chris was just in tears. <laughs> you know, he was just so, um, so excited to see everything that we've been working towards and doing. Cause this was, this was a year in wow. to our program starting that we paired a dog because 
you've got to train the dog. Yeah. So it takes about eight, 12 to 18 months to train the dog, depending on what age we adopt them. Yeah. And, um, Diesel was a little shorter because he was, he did have that background in training because he was going through, you know, police dog training and he was an older dog. So it was, it was a quicker match to make. He, he was in training with us for probably the least amount of time than any dog has been. And it was just a great match and they're still a great match today. And, um, you know, so how many, how many dogs approximately have you matched up now with veterans? I think 42. Wow. How cool is that? You know, yeah. 42 dogs with veterans. This is, and when you do something like that, so you're pairing this dog with a veteran. And I mean, we've talked about the impact, obviously that makes on the dog's life and, and opens doors for other dogs to come in and all that. But the veteran, not only are you impacting that veteran, but you're impacting yeah. everybody in that veteran circle, right? Who absolutely maybe, um, doesn't know how, how to help that person that they love or is feeling some, you know, stress or anxiety relationships can deconstruct because no one knows how to be around each other. And the dog is like, Hey, the dog is a good segue. You know, it's a happy, fluffy, cute dog. Everybody can talk Absolutely. about and meet, but uh, B that person, the veteran just is able to kind of reclaim parts of themselves and, and rebuild or build new parts of themselves. And so you're impacting Absolutely. not only, and I'm, I'm emphasizing this because, you know, there's a chance that somebody listening, like maybe like not completely into like, well, how does a dog help? You know, it's just a dog. Right. But it's that, right. it's that giving the person back their life and their ability to function and be a part of society and be proud of something and feel normal. I have several friends with um, veteran friends who have these dogs and, and I've seen firsthand the difference it makes. And I so oh, love, so love for our shelters to get involved. But I think we need, you know, branches of you all across the country. So could, <laughs> could you could you get busy on that? Like have some. <laughs> we've had. So when Returning yeah. the Favor aired yeah. last April, we've had a lot of people ask. My my husband is just he's not a perfectionist per se, but his name is attached to these dogs. Absolutely. So he's just yeah. like, but. In 2016, we did co-found an organization. It's like a coalition of service dog providers for military veterans Perfect. specifically. And we are we work together to network and make the build. We're building this network across the, the country so that we can absolutely feel comfortable referring a veteran to another organization. And we do help veterans from across the country. Um, we don't just do in our region of Northern Virginia. We are national. We have a dog in Yokota Air Base in Japan. We have a dog in Hawaii right now who used to be stationed at 8th and I with his veteran. And we have a dog that travels back and forth to Malta a lot with his veteran. So, so cool. We, but there are lots of great organizations out there. And um, none of them are the same. So I always suggest to veterans or family members who are doing research on that, find one that meets your needs. Yes. Don't just go to someone who's in your backyard. Find someone whose mission speaks to you and their training process actually fits your lifestyle. That is another, it can be a barrier sometimes. So on the one hand, it's great that there are so many organizations. On the other hand, it can be a little daunting because people yes. don't know who to go to. And sometimes also people can be a little taken aback that there's actually qualifying steps to go to, to be approved oh, yes. for any of these, these services or these resources. And people are like, well, what do you mean? I have to do this and I have to provide that. And sometimes even oh, the, yeah. just getting the 214 is an issue. You know, people don't want to provide that or whatever, but um, I think it's important for people to kind of take a step back 
and be able to recognize all the work and effort and resource that goes into this and the fact that, like you said, it's not just a program, it's your name, it's your family's name on this and you're not going to you know, just give that away lightly. Like, you know, a piece of you all is going out Absolutely. into the community with every dog and to every family. Absolutely. So it's, it's super important, uh, you know, to do that. Have you had people who kind of get angry if they're turned away or not? Yeah. And ha- how is that to deal so, with? It's so hard. Um, I want to help every person. Yeah. So one of the part, one of the things we do in our application process and, you know, like you said a moment ago, people, are like, what? I've got to do all of these things. Well, there's reasons why yeah. <laughs> that you have to do all of these things. There's a lot of work that goes into training and we do not charge for any of our services. We even try to get all the transportation costs covered. Wow. And with our new training facility, we'll be able to house the veterans and their families on site What? Um, for free. Yeah. We'll have two ADA suites, uh, compliance suites in the, in the main building. And we'll have a couple of tiny homes, um, in the back. How uh, is that all there. happening? Um, we're fundraising for it right now. And, uh, we we're very, very, uh, vigorously, you know, applying for grants, but we are getting funded hopefully through partners in the area or across the country who want to donate this piece or this piece or this piece. So that's one of the things that we're actively trying to get accomplished. Now we're hoping that we're breaking ground in, in three months. That's what we were told last week. So, um, that's fun. <laughs> once we start breaking down, things will be moving fast. But because yeah. of our episode of returning the favor with, with Mike Rowe and his crew, people, we have this nice little video to share with people yes. if they didn't see it already. Right. And we had people reach out to us that want to help us with windows and appliances and these sorts of things. So, um, we're just very grateful to have that because once we have this facility built, we will be able to do 48 dog teams per year. out of this training facility. And we will be able to comfortably house veterans, um, for free at the, at the facility. So again, all of these things are going into providing the service dog and we do that for free. So there's, we're not just going to hand the dog over. We've had people look at our website and each of our dogs has a page. We name them after veterans who have, made the ultimate sacrifice or have gone on to do great things after service in the veteran community. Some of them are still living. Some of them have passed and each dog has a page and we'll have veterans email us and say, I want to come and pick up Robin. Mm -hmm. I want this dog. Well, Robin is, you know, she's so advanced in her training. She's about to be paired with a veteran that we've been working with already, you know? Uh, so you can, it's not, like the animal shelter where you go and pick out the dog you want. And then we explain the application process. And part of that includes a biography. And we just say, give us your biography. We don't ask them for any other details. We want to see how they tell their story about themselves to us, because that tells us so much about what type of dog they need. Yes. Like sometimes they'll say, I used to go hiking and now I'm too scared to be out in the woods. And, and I want to go with my family to Disney World or to Six Flags or whatever yeah. the case may be. And I can't go. So we hear all these stories they're telling us. And our veteran review committee, when we meet, we already know what type of dog that this veteran and their needs. family is going to need. So we already have an idea if we're going to be able to help them or not. And figuring out if they have unrealistic expectations 
if we can't talk them through those unrealistic expectations of what a service dog and what a dog can actually be trained to do for them, then we know that we can't help them. Yeah. And we haven't, we haven't had to turn away many veterans. Um, uh, sometimes they, they go on and do other things and they're just not, they don't finish the program on their own accord. You know, we can't force people to, to do it. It's a lot of work, but we, the ones that we have had to say no to have been, they either had just really unrealistic expectations or they didn't really need a service dog in the first place, or we just weren't confident that we would be able to help them. Um, Maybe they had so many underlying disabilities that their doctor didn't even know how a service dog would help them. So how are we going to be able to, to determine that as well. Yeah. So that's why it's good to be selective. Yeah, it is. It's good to be selective. So what are some, give me one like daily challenge, like the first thing in the morning you get up, you have all this things. Like what is one, one of the just off the top of your head, first things come to your mind. Like, Oh my gosh, this is such a pain every day. So, um, the first thing is when we first have puppies in the minute they hear anyone wake, (laughs) wake up and move, they are yapping, yapping, yapping. I need to go out. I need to go potty. Uh And I have sleeping children. I don't want the sleeping children to wake up at five 30 and six o'clock in the morning. So having to shuffle them out in the snow and the rain in the middle of a storm or whatever the case may be to try to keep the house quiet for the children. And I do have you know, noise machines and fans and different things, but it's still, you know, you can't, so when our out, new house, you can't drown out the noise of yapping puppies. No. Like that's just, yeah. I'm trying to determine we're going, we're going to have a house built. We bought 33 acres on the backside in Marine Corps base Quantico. That's yeah. what you saw in the micro episode. Mm-hmm. And I, as we're building the house, I'm trying to think of creative ways that we can drown out some of the noise without making it soundproof because if they're crying inside the room, I want to be able to hear hear it. At the same time, if there's puppies yapping outside, I don't, but we are creating a a mudroom area for the puppies that to try to keep them in the house, but not in the house. And that way in the morning, they don't really hear us waking up and, um, we will be able to have them monitor like a baby monitor to hear them if they're, if they've stirred or something. I think so. anybody who has puppies can relate. And especially if you have children, I have all the, it, I got, it doesn't stop with the puppies. I think I, my grown dogs do that. I get up at like four 30 every morning. Right. And, and I just want like that quiet time, you know, before, yes. and I literally am like tiptoeing through the house. I put WD 40 on the door so they don't creak. <laughs> like, so they don't hear me. I won't flush the toilet sometimes tiptoe down, you know, if I got the horses out in the paddock, and they see the light come on, they'll start nickering. So I like duck below the window. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous the things that you have to do to tiptoe around these animals. And right. people can't really, can't, you just can't grasp that, I think, unless, no, you, unless you've unless you been in it. Home. But that's, we yes. We here at home. So it's like everything's here. And you may be able to hear my four-year-old getting excited in the background. He's in there playing. But yeah. at the same time, you know, we do work from home. That is a luxury. So there are the pros and cons yes. of working from home. And um, we couldn't do it if we didn't work from home. And it doesn't make sense for us to not yeah. work near and around our home environment. Because, again, we're training these dogs in a home environment for the for the homes they're going to be in forever. So what was it when, you know, you mentioned before you said any supportive spouse, when you know, you, you got to support your spouse when they have a dream. I caught that and I kind of made a note to circle back to it because it's a seemingly simple sentence and it seems like 
it makes sense to a lot of people, but there are people out there who, you know, one spouse has this dream or this vision and the other Mm -hmm. spouse just doesn't get it or see it at at all. Was it like an instant thing for you where you're like, oh yeah, man, I'm on board. We're going to do this. We're going to go, we'll go broke. I'll have puppy pee and crap in my house while I'm pregnant. And like, (laughs) it was just, there was just never any... Doubt. Never doubt. That's never so awesome. doubt. Have that's, there been I'm married times, to my best friend. So, yeah. Isn't that, you know, that's a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Have there been times when the two of you ever just looked at each other and were like, oh my God, what are we doing? Oh yeah. I mean, have you? <laughs> I, I can't say it, you yeah. know, to you right now, but <laughs> you know, there's memes out there of the, of the people throwing the paper in the air at work like yeah, on yeah, Friday. Yeah. You know, we've, yeah. we've, we've had moments where in anger or in frustration, we've said, we're just going to quit. You know, this is just, this is just too much. Everything's falling apart. And, you know, we both work here from home. So living with your spouse, working with your spouse (laughs) all day, um, on top of the stressful environment that sometimes is created when a puppy poops in the floor and the baby comes by mm-hmm. and starts trying to play with it or does play with it uh. or finger paints on the wall with it or That's you're walking so through the awesome, house and you slip on the ground and puppy pee <laughs> and you fall and then you hurt yourself and then you've got pee all over you and it's like, <laughs> you know, those yeah. types of things really make you think, what am I doing? Yeah, and you go to your friends' houses and everything's so neat and tidy oh, and structured if you saw and how organized. Behind and the, the street, <laughs> you would just die. People, we get so many great people that donate yeah. dog things to us, and uh, um, Officer Candidate School that's that's based at Quantico. That when when a new class leaves, they bring all the towels that they were you know, that they're done with from the, so we use the towels with the dogs and, you know, there's just stuff gets piled up here in the house and we're, we're in a ranch style house and our family lives here and we operate some per canine and we've grown so much in the last year and a half that we've outgrown this place, but we don't want to make, we don't want to rush at building our facility or make a bad decision because we're cramped. We will deal with the clutter, even though there's days I want to run away. (laughs) Yes. I think it's important to hear that, right? To know because, yeah, it's fun. And it can look like, oh, my gosh, we're playing with these puppies. We're meeting these veterans. We're saving these people. It's a wonderful life. But I'm circle back again because you you have to earn it. You have to want it. You have to stay committed. There's always going to be times when you just want to kind of just give up on this path and have like a more sane, structured, quote, normal life, you know, where it is not such everyday chaos. But how it's so worth it, isn't it? To, to like, go, oh, like, wouldn't so you rather cool. just be living in this like constant state of flux than yes. like know every day that you're going to be at this desk from nine o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the afternoon, you have appointment every 40 minute or whatever it is like tick tock, tick tock, tick tock all like, the time. Yeah. Yeah. We say that all the time. What would we imagine what our life would be like right this minute if we didn't right. have simple canine and we weren't doing what we do. Yeah. And we say that all of the time and it always brings us back to our marine instructor in high school, our our marine instructor in JRTC, his pictures right here um right here behind me. He passed away the year that we started simple uh-huh. canine. And if it were not for him, Chris and I would not have reconnected after we graduated. Um, on Chris's first deployment, he said, Hey, Beatty's, Beatty's in Iraq. You should, uh, you should email him. Here's his email address. Having a familiar voice 
yeah. is helpful when you're out there and you feel like you're on your own. So we reconnected, obviously, as friends um, at that point. And, you know, we would not have stayed in touch. Chris would not have had been a Marine canine handler. And we would not have known each other if that man had not fought to start the JRTC program at our high school and made that bump to keep us in touch for the oh, I love course that. of our lives. I love that. Yeah. Our first dog yeah. is named after him, Norman. We named uh, our first dog Norman after him. And Norman's our facilities dog. He's still with us today. That's so That's great. Mm-hmm. So how did, well, we're going to get to the last couple of questions here in a minute, but I got to ask a fun one too. Um, how did he propose? How did Chris propose to you? He didn't propose. He did. <laughs> it was more like, hey, yeah, <laughs> this so, is happening. Um, exactly. Great. So we, <laughs> he had just started his internship with, the Semper Fi Fund to start Semper Canine. And I found out I was pregnant, which I did not think I could have any more children. So it was a major shock. And, um, you know, he's, he has adopted my oldest son. So we, you know, we have that going and we couldn't do that without being married. And that was something that was important to him. And we were, um, driving around in Richmond and we passed this pawn shop and I said, you know, we're going to, we're probably going to have to get married now that we're having a baby. And he's like, well, I'm really tired of just referring to you as my girlfriend anyway. So let's just get married. So we pulled into the pawn shop and got <laughs> an, engage- an engagement ring it. for $150. Cause <laughs> we didn't have any money. <laughs> We were actually down in Richmond. He was doing a good training with uh, for his internship, and and Bo and I, our oldest, tagged along. And Bo wants to 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 join uh, the Marine Corps too. So he's in JRTC right now in high school. He's in he's in ninth grade and doing really well. But he we were just tagging. We would always tag along if he had to go for something because we didn't have any money to do anything. So we'd yeah. explore the area of wherever he was. Lots of times hanging out in parking lots. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just walked in and we we looked and we were like, oh, this one's pretty and it matches my grandmother's ring that I wear every day. So let's just get this one. And we went to the courthouse and got the That's paperwork great. filled out and got married on the beach in our neighborhood that we lived in. They have like a lake with a beach and just called on the list of people that that were the just, you know, the people that can marry you. There yeah. was one in our neighborhood. So we were like, let's just call him. Turns out he was a Marine. Perfect. So uh, our wedding was less than $300 and, um, the Mexican hat dance was playing in the ice cream truck man's (laughs) parking lot in the parking lot when I was walking down to him at the beach. So that's our wedding song, the Mexican (laughs) hat dance, the ice cream truck version. Um, that's beautiful. I laughed the entire time because it was just so hysterical. I couldn't stop further evidence that, you know, Things don't have to be expensive to be meaningful oh, no. and to be powerful. And I love that. I love that you stretch that. All right. So we talk a lot here at American Snippets about the American dream. It's important to us. Obviously, my family gave a lot for this country and a lot of families do that as well. Um, and we've now kind of moved forward into our own path. But it can be upsetting to, for us to hear people talk about how terrible this country is and how there are right. no opportunities and all the reasons why you can't do things. So we you know we're big proponents of the American dream. So we like to ask our guests, uh, you know, what does the American dream mean to you? So the American dream means to me, let's see. I guess I would have to say the American dream to me is being able to raise my children 
the way that I feel is best for them and to give them this opportunity that we're doing with Simper Canine while living our dream, but also being able to, to show our children what it really means to give back and teaching them the art of giving. That to me, you know, people talk about, like you said, how terrible this country is, or it's not that great or whatever the case may be. I'm able to live here and raise my children the way that I think is best. And I'm doing that while I'm doing my dream job. This was not what I went to college to do. My paying job was not what I went to college to do. But I'm helping my husband live his dream. And to me, that's my American dream, being able to do all of these things and being able to make that change and having the opportunities that I have to do that and the opportunities I have to help others in the process. Awesome. Thank you so much. Let's talk quickly about these um, things you have coming up. You have an event coming up in in May, this 5K. Yes, uh, May 18th is our Hero Hike 5K. It's at the National Museum of the Marine Corps. They have a beautiful park there, Semper Fidelis Park. So it's paved. And we do this 5K um, to allow people to get involved if they're not huge runners or they want to do something and they just can't do a 5K or they can't run a mile because of whatever challenge they have. Mm -hmm. Um, It's such a beautiful park and it has beautiful statues and monuments where you can just stop and reflect on that. And we honor the heroes that our people are hiking in, in honor or in memory of. And the, we're this, this year we are honoring, um, Prince William County police officer, Ashley Gwendon, who was a Marine Corps reservist. We have a dog named after her and she was killed in the line of duty on her first day of duty here in Prince wow. William County back in, um, February, three years ago. So we are honoring her this year as our main hero. And then we will have all of our other heroes that are read out and there's opportunities for people across the country to get involved with a virtual hike as well. So, so um, where can people go to find out about that? Uh, simpercanine.org backslash hero hike. Awesome. So if somebody wanted to donate something, anything, what Mm -hmm. is something like a couple of things that you guys are in need of? Obviously money. Money. (laughs) That's the, that's the first thing we're trying to build a a facility or trying, we're going to build. There you go. um, this facility and uh, money is always valuable to nonprofits, but not everyone can give money. So if you're local and you want to give your time, uh, volunteers, if you're not local and you want to give your time, you can host a fundraiser for us in your community because that raises awareness for our mission. And it also reaches people that may need our help in your community. So that's always great. And we have a nice toolkit where you can host your own event for us. Um, we always need, uh, Blankets and towels. I know it's hard to ship those things from across the country, but uh, we have an Amazon wish list. So you can go on the wish okay. list and and buy some things. And that's on simpercanine.org. You can find that and uh, it'll ship directly to us. And so that those are great ways to, to donate and to give. We also have a um, memorial brick campaign that we're doing out at our facility. And uh, we'll have a service flag area with, with the bricks and um, the, the, highest or the least priced one is 50 bucks. So for 50 bucks, you can be included in Simper Canine History and honor a dog, a pet, a person, yourself, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to put on the brick um, that that honor someone and, and pays tribute to someone, you're able to do that. So 
Um, and again, just sharing our social media posts or sharing our newsletters, you never know who you're going to reach that can give us something that we need to get to the next level. Or you may need be reaching a veteran that needs our help or a family that needs our help. And that's the reason we're here. So uh, an easy thing to do is just to share our mission. Great. Thank you so much, A, for all you and your husband do, and B, for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for your service and your sacrifice to our country as well. Yeah, thank you. All right, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, would like to personally thank Amanda Beatty for being here as well and sharing her story about Semper Canine. Uh, really excited that she decided to come on our show. If you got some value out of this episode, please let us know by sharing this with a friend, uh, tagging us on social media at Instagram and Facebook. Uh, also, don't forget to head on over to YouTube. Uh, we also publish uh, a content on YouTube that we don't have here on the audio program. Uh, a lot of other inspirational stories and stuff there on the YouTube channel. So that's uh, youtube.com forward slash American snippets. Don't forget to check out the full featured article that we did on Amanda Beatty and Semper Canine. You can do that at americansnippets.com forward slash 094. It's a featured article of the week. You can watch the full video interview there and we'll include links to their social media profiles and their website so you can learn more and follow everything that they are doing. Uh, Appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time.